welcome to the Diabolical Film Show, a podcast about old films, new films, and the people who make them. My name is Ash, and with me I've got my old mate Richie. Hello, Ash. Well, I went a bit high. Hello, Richie. <laughs> Hello, uh, Richie. Richie. Yeah, my Hi. voice is a little bit croaky for some reason today. So, um, yeah, that's it. Is what it is. So we had our interview with Matt Fagiani last week. We're back with an episode this week, but it's not a film, mate. It's not. No. What's going on? Well, it's. It's the Star Wars TV show that we didn't know that we wanted. We didn't oh, know we needed it. Say it. But we got it. We did. We did. This is a t- This is out of all of the stuff that's coming. Now, it's kind of film-related because it is the prequel to the Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which is possibly one of the best Star Wars films out there. I think most people recognize that as of this date. But it's the one that I was least looking forward to, if I'm honest. When... when Disney mm. threw out the slate of stuff that was coming up. They had the Mandalorian. Okay, yeah, cool. You know, I was coming. And then you had the Book of Boba Fett later on. And think, oh, that'll be cool. We're looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. Then Obi-Wan Kenobi. Everyone likes a bit of Ewan McGregor. Mm. So, yeah, all of that was good. And then we got Andor. Andor. Like, yeah, well, we kind of know how it ends. Yeah, um, what's the point? You know, I'm not really bothered. He dies. However... Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Now we've had history. <laughs> now we've had Mandalorian, the Book of Boba Fett, Obi Wan, and um, Andor. Andor, yeah. Which is the best, Richie? That would be Andor. Yeah, by, by a, a country mile, by a quite a stretch. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. Before you all start hating on us, oh, I don't really care. Bring it, bring but, it um, on. Bring it on anyway. The Mandalorian is good. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with the Mandalorian. It is. Not Andor, though. Andor no. is a different beast altogether. When when you stack it up, fall short. Yeah, and we figured we were going to talk about this because, well, two reasons, really. Um, one, no one's really watching it. No one's no one's loving it as much. I think this will be, be a slow burner and then they'll realise where how wrong they all are. I just don't understand why they're not watching it. And there's it. some hate. And that I do not understand. Mm. Um. So Andor is essentially uh, the story of Cassian Andor, played by Diego Luna, prior to the what happens in the Rogue One story, which is essentially them getting the plans to the blow up the Death Star, um, which we know how that ends, because there's a film out there about it. So this is a story about his life prior to that, which I couldn't care any less about until I watched it. Pretty much, yeah. It was... Why, why do we want to know this? Because... The film pretty much introduces the character and fleshes him out marvellously. You get a sense of where he's come from, where he's where he is, and you see where he goes. It's pretty much a done deal. But it's not just about him. It's not. It's about the rebellion, the start of the rebellion, and that's where, for me, for me. It was. I was thinking. It, oh, is it going to be about? And I don't really care about him. But it's not. It's about the birth of the rebellion. And Tony Gilroy. He's he's the writer. He created this, um, and he wrote specifically five of the episodes. Um, Dan Gilroy. I'm assuming his brother uh, <laughs> wrote three of the episodes. <laughs> and then you've got Bo Williamson and um, Stephen Sheaf, who wrote episodes themselves as well. So you've got a small group of writers. But it's Tony Gilroy that is the kind of leading um, producer, writer on this. 
he didn't direct. He just wrote and wrote and produced. Yeah. But he wrote Rogue One as well. He wrote, yeah, he wrote wrote Rogue mm. One. So he wanted to tell more of this story and felt like there was more of this story to tell. And he he was not fucking wrong. Yeah, because yeah. he basically said um, Andor is, and I'm quoting here, the rebellion will be televised, which pretty much summed it up. This is, but it's not. Mm. This is the least Star Wars of all the Star Wars, and yet the best Star Wars of all the Star Wars. It's Star Wars for adults. Well, I, I think this is where we are. It's You've got the likes of The Mandalorian and Boba Fett. That's Star Wars for people of a certain age, the younger. That's, that's for them. This is Star Wars for us who were there at the beginning in the 70s. <laughs> Apart from me, because I, I didn't see it at, at no, the No, you were in your 20s but when you watched a, it, weren't you? <laughs> that's a different that is a different muddy path and we're not going to go down there just we'll yet. go down there another time <laughs> but in in this case yeah it's it is it's for it's for us it's for the older so tony gilroy he wrote like you said he wrote um rogue one but he also did the born trilogy the original born trilogy yes and michael clayton yeah. as well and that i think sets the scene of where this actually really sits because this there's a lot going on there this is a kind of political espionage thriller mm. with talks about apartheid and class warfare there's a mm. lot of stuff in this and it's not the yeah. sort of stuff that the younger audience younger star wars audience are going to probably find interesting because it is a slow burn it is a real slow burn but it really does dive into the grey area of Star Wars. Because technically, and they, they do kind of touch on this in Rogue One, they are terrorists. The ruling yeah. order is the Empire. Yeah. Um, they have brought their version of peace to the galaxy. This is a terrorist peace. cell, and that is how it's pitched. And this is the beginning of that. And this really does examine that the moral and like ethical dilemmas that lead well, to building a rebellion, really. You've got the characters in there. You know that they are rebels, but how they go about it, it's highly questionable. There's many levels of grey. It's not light and dark as in the Star Wars films. No. He's a bad guy. He's a good guy. No, no, no. It's grey. There's no... It's just grey. Yeah, it's not just good and evil, like I said. Mm. It's it's what would the good guys, shall we, shall we say, what would the good, good guys do for the greater good? Because there are mm. some really, you know, harsh decisions that, that they make in this. And that, that comes up in Rogue One, although they're a bit more fan-friendly mm. in Rogue One. To a lesser, to a lesser degree. degree. But in this... it's. Stellan yeah. Skarsgård's um, character, Luthen, oh, is phenomenal. He is Mr. I mean, they're all phenomenal. They're all phenomenal in this. But let, let's just quickly run down some of the people here. So you've got Stellan Skarsgård. He's done all sorts of stuff before, if you don't know who he is. But he, he plays Luthen um, Rail, and he is he's the kind of leader, would you say, of the, of the cell, the rebel cell? I think he's, he's the guy who gets shit done. He's the one who you don't really want to know what he does. He just produces. I need this doing. I'll do it. Oh, it's done. I don't want to know how you've done it. You've just done it. He is grey as fuck. He is, there's some dark in, in there. But he's an absolutely awesome actor anyway. And this is the key thing with this. 
The script is phenomenal. The script is so good. It is really so good. But let, we'll get we'll get we'll get onto that in a minute. So yeah, we'll talk we'll talk about the people already. So Stellan Skarsgård, he's done oh he's done stuff like the Chernobyl series. That mm. was amazing as well. Absolutely that was fantastic. Amazing. He's in June. Um, uh, obviously Andor and well, he's been in Marvel. He's been hasn't in Marvel, he? yeah. He's in Thor: Love and Thunder as well. And it, oh, absolutely, he's absolutely phenomenal. Goodwill Hunting, Amistad, mm. and blah blah. He goes on Hunt and for on Red and October. on and on and on. First time I saw him in was a hunt for Red October. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you've got so you got him. He's playing the kind of so the, the kind of the grey, the spark of the rebellion, really. He and the absolutely phenomenal performance. And then he's the grey, but where where you've got the kind of the money, the money's coming from Guinevere O'Reilly mm. as Mon Mothma. So we got we got a young Mon Mothma in this, and this is a really really hard role to play as well because she she's part of the Senate. So she's a senator. She's trying to siphon money away without getting caught, but realizes there's spies everywhere. And that character pops up in Star Wars, pops up in Rogue One, pops up in Return of the Jedi. So and the cartoons. It appears in, she appears in the cartoons as well. Yeah. Character. It's it's it goes throughout all of the the saga, so to speak, and she herself has to make. Hard decisions. Yeah, she has to, in essence, sell her daughter to an arranged marriage for the greater good. So, yeah, for the greater good. Oh yeah, good. spoilers, it's... right? We we cannot talk about this without giving spoilers. <laughs> so we're not going to kind of give all the. There's so much goes on. We're not going to give all the story beats away because we yeah. have no time. But there is. But just be aware, we are going to give fucking major spoilers. You, so if you don't want to, you... if you want to watch the series. Go and watch the series, then come back and listen to us or do something else. But you know, we are gonna give some of the stuff away. Yeah. So she's she's like the political side side of the kind of story. Mm. But it just shows how much um how much she puts on the line as well. Yeah. And it's so you've got this political espionage kind of thriller going on. Hello, future Ash here, um, sat in the editing chair as, I, as we speak. Uh, forgive my voice, it's even croakier than when I did the episode. I'm interjecting here because having edited the episode, I've just realised we don't talk about Diego Luna, who actually plays Cassian Andor. We mention many other people in the show, but we don't mention Diego Luna who does an absolutely stellar job at leading the cast through his story, essentially leading into Rogue One. Now, Diego Luna's done absolutely loads of things um, previously to Andor. I mean, he's been acting, according to IMDb, since 1982. That was his first credit. But he's done tons of... He's been in loads of films. Frida, Vampires, Los Murtos, um, Criminal, Milk, Elysium... Flatliners, the remake. Well, we might not mention that one. Let's leave that one out of it. Um, but Super Pets more recently, and obviously Andor as well. And he does an absolutely amazing job in the show as well. Some people have criticised him for looking a bit miserable. Well, he has a bit of a shit time. Let's be frank about it. But let's not forget, Cassie Andor is played by Diego Luna. It is Richie's fault we didn't mention it. <laughs> you can't say anything, Richie, because you're not edited. On that piece of fried gold, I'm going to hand you back to Ash and Rich on the podcast. 
And then you've got these fantastic set pieces throughout it. But it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as good as it is without a good baddie. And this is where some of the other series have fucked up majorly. Because you don't need to be a shouty shouty baddie to be all nasty. No. And I'm looking at you, Inquisitor Reaver from Obi Wan. <laughs> the the least scary person on the fucking planet. You wanna look you wanna be scary and you want to be calculated and clinically nasty. You want Denise Goff and she plays Dedra um, I think it's Miro, I think. Uh, mm. uh, me, Miro, yeah. I think. Dedra Miro. And she's this waterboarding prisoners. She's this fantastic villain. And she really is. A cold, unwavering, but bureaucratic mm. imperial. And using people to get her own way as she struggles for power and recognition. Well, they're the worst, aren't they? The ones who they follow their path and they do not waver. They're just direct. I, This is my job and I'm going to fulfill mm. it. And I don't care about anything else. That's what I'm, I've been told to do that. And that's what I will do. And that they'll just do anything to fulfill that, what, whatever they've been told to do. And they don't, just don't give a crap about anyone else. Don't give a shit. And the backbiting within. Yeah, and that, that's, that's just it. it. You see, <laughs> you see the Empire like you've never seen them before. They kind of touched yeah. on it in little part in some of the cartoons um, and in. Empire. An empire, yeah, an empire, empire. and also, yeah. um, and Rogue One as well. Very briefly. But this it, is it's... the bureaucrat, this is the bureaucracy behind the empire, and what mm. the, what it goes into, and, and just how, how they did sow the seeds of hate and, well, rebellion, really, across, across, the, gal- across the galaxy. And the thing is with these, well, these stormtroopers, they don't fucking miss. No, they, they, this is how this is how no they were meant to. This is what they inferred in Star Wars and Empire and all the rest of it. But they couldn't get hit a barn door with a shotgun at two yards. Couldn't hit a cow's ass with a shovel. These don't miss when they when they shoot. People mm. die in this quite a lot. Yeah, and that's yeah. where and that's where you've got um. This is where you see the Galactic Empire camp. at its worst or best if you're evil. Um, and I'm gonna. There's a, there's a couple of other people in it as well, but I'm, I'm going to mention Kyle Solo as well. As is it Siren Khan? Uh, he's this like he's the security guard, secu- head security into on the planet at the beginning. He's this like snivellingly desperate, yeah. but he's dethroned quite early because it all goes kind of a bit a bit wrong. And it's essentially his kind of him trying to get back on top again. But the thing is, he's not a bad guy. He's a security on that planet, and even yes, the security are quite brutal and what have you. But he's just trying to do his job. But all this, all this stuff goes wrong. People die. He then goes after um, Cassian Andor essentially and makes it his life work. But all he's trying to do really is get the recognition of his mother, <laughs> as you yeah. find out. But again, it's that unwavering. No, I am here. This is my purpose, and I'm gonna fulfil it. Yeah. There's no ambiguity. You know, you know that character. He will sell out anyone. He will fucking. I am going there, and that's what they all are. They're all very single-minded, laser-focused on doing whatever it is they've been told to do. But it's just so fucking evil. It really. It's showing I, I, what the empire pitching, is. 
This is what oh, the Empire is. Christ. This is what they've alluded to all this time, what the Empire yeah. is. And they've never, they've never really shown it. They've shown it, they show it a little bit in The Force Awakens, actually, as well, where, where the First Order, where they... You know the first attack where Kylo comes into that little village, and they decimate the village. So they, they saw oh. it there, and you got the, you got the death troopers and stuff like this. But in in this, it's just so well done. It's the writing, but the writing can... is just phenomenal. And like I said, there, there is a bunch of writing credits that go on there. But it's Tony Gilroy is the one that's created this, mm. and it's it's his it's his love of this. But okay, mate, why does this one work? Okay, now we've had Obi Wan. We've had, let's let's leave Mando out of it, Mandalorian out of it, because we both like Mando, and that does work. That's that's a western in space, technically, isn't it? Mm. It's a bit more broader in scope in the second season, but it's yeah. it is it works within the volume that that they use, that the um, studio kind of setting that they use, and and it works very very well. But Boba Fett and Obi Wan to a lesser degree, but Boba Fett was fucking awful. It was truly awful on every single level. The writing, the direction, it was just bad. It was not good. Mm. They've taken a class villain, because that's what he was, and turned him into a soppy good guy. I, th- I, think, I think that they didn't know what to do with him. Then don't. Leave him ambiguous. You know, leave him cool. Because yeah. he's not cool anymore. You've made a right mess of him, and everybody hates him. And the direction, oh my God, coming from some really good directors as well. Supposedly good directors, Robert mm. Rodriguez. Some of his episodes were shockingly directed. And the, mm. oh, the art direction, the, the production design, it was just bad. It just yeah. didn't come together. It just didn't click. But with Andor... I think, it, it, again, it, it, it was to service the younger the younger. Star Wars fans. Yeah, oh, but come you know? on. I mean, even the bloody mod gang, you know, one of those bloody scooters, it was... Again, it's for it's for the it kids. It reminded me of it's the bloody the... Biff's gang out of fucking Back to the Future 2. <laughs> it was shocking. It's for the kids, though. I, I, I think it was Let's for the kids. Let's mix it up with, a, with, a, with the Who and Tommy and stick them on scooters. Fuck off. Come on. <laughs> Fuck off. It was just shocking. I want to watch Star Wars, not Quadrophenia. <laughs> Give me a break. But they got it wrong. Massively wrong. And I think the fandom, yeah. I, I will agree with the voices online at this point, um, with yeah. the majority of what that. Did he, what did he get? The best episodes were the ones where Mando were in it and where they brought yeah. back, oh, what's his name? The the sheriff guy. Oh, Tim- Timothy yeah, Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant. You can, you can always rely on Timothy Oliphant. Again, someone with a bit of gravitas mm. who, who can deliver on screen. And when they brought back the bounty hunter from the Clone Wars cartoons. Go on. I can't, you can't think, think of his no. name, can you? I was hoping you no. could, because neither could I. He's got out of my head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cad Bane, that's it. Yeah, Cad Bane, that's the dude. The other bounty hunter. It, it was good. When Cad Bane came on the scene. Yeah, so Cad Bane, absolutely, he was phenomenal in the cartoon. When he first appeared in the Clone Wars, watch the Clone Wars, we've said this before, watch the Clone Wars. Clone Wars cartoons are amazing. Yeah, yeah. First season, a bit shite, but after that, it gets a lot better. In fact, it gets very much better. But Cad Bane, when I first saw him, like, oh, he's just, oh, they're just copying Clint Eastwood with the big hat and the coat and blah, blah, blah. But he's, <laughs> he's nasty and cool. He's what, he's what he's Boba nails. Fett should be. Essentially, mm. they ruined Boba Fett. Cad Bane is Boba Fett, but the problem is, in when he comes into Boba Fett, he's an old man. So, but I think that the problem that they had with, apart from the writing um, and the direction in Boba Fett, um, and <laughs> the, the, no, the acting was fine. The act, well, actually, no, some of it wasn't. Think mm. about it. Some of it was a bit ropey. Apart from that, it just didn't gel. It just didn't work. It, they, they were trying to kind of please the fans too much. 
With Obi-Wan, again, it was hit and miss. It's 50-50. 50% mm, of it was, it was fine, yeah. 50% of it really wasn't. And again, it just didn't look great. The big entrance with Obi with um, Darth Vader's big entrance when he f- first comes back and that fight, it just wasn't that great. There's better, fa- well, there's better fan fights well, online with lightsabers than they managed it in that show and in some of the bloody films as well, saying that. But why didn't it work? Why, why does Andor look so good and feel so good? And those don't. I th- right. I think it's a mixture of the your actors that you've got, the writing, your cinematography, your directors, and the 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 actual uh, locations. Because those others, the they were digital locations. Yeah, they used the volume. Andor. Andor was real world. That's true, yeah. I mean, they filmed it in Pinewood, didn't they? They filmed a lot of it on, on Pine, the Pinewood sets, but then they use a lot of England. I mean, they use like the Barbican the, Centre yeah. in London for Curaçao, an old refinery in Croydon, um, in Essex for the Ferrix Terminal. They went in Wales somewhere, didn't they? And up, up, um, Cleveland's, up near Morecambe. Cleveland's Promenade they used in, mm. just up the coast there for the Imperial Pace that Cassian is captured essentially wrongly arrested in this case i mean he's probably due an arrest but not for what he was arrested for Mm. and sent to the forced labor camp yes a forced labor camp in star wars and you get to see Mm. it as well and there's like the the dam Uh, they did a bit they did a bit in filming in scotland as well the bit where they're on that planet before they go on the the raid the you know the bank yeah. well, it, well it is a bank raid isn't it technically well yeah. it is a it is a high sentence really Perthshire, and you've also got the dam the big dam scene where they, where they had the imperial garrison that was in Argyle and Butte as well it is it's that's what it is it, it, and it I, I suppose for the actors if you're in a real world location it alters your performance hundred yeah because you're yeah, there definitely. you know it's you're here and there's stuff over there there's things over there. In the volume, it's if you're doing a digital recreation. Granted, yes, you can see it, but it's not the same. Uh, the volume. We keep mentioning the volume. The volume for those that don't know is these. So the Mandalorian, where you think they're outside in in Tatooine or wherever, wherever they're filming it, they're not. They're in a studio, and what they do, they have these massive LCD screens around them, which have the film playing in the background of the of the landscapes and so on and so forth. But but the. We saw the limitations of this in Obi Wan. It's very clever, it's incredibly clever. Uh, yeah, let's not s- sell it short. No, no, no. How it's how it works. It's extremely clever, but from a storytelling point of view, it has its limitations. And and I think this is worked. where they went wrong. Now, the Mandalorian is about yeah. the Mando, and a lot of it is from his perspective. And this is what they, I think they picked up on in Andor. So a lot, a lot of where you see the big vistas and all the rest of it, you see it from Mando's, Mando's perspective. When you came to Obi-Wan and um, Boba Fett and things like this, you saw it from a larger perspective, and then you came down to the characters. I've looked at this. So you, you see, oh, look how beautiful Coruscant looks. Look how beautiful mm. this looks. And we'll pull yeah. back and then, and then oh, no, now we're seeing the limitations. It's looking a bit computer um, cuts, mm. computer game cutscene. And, uh, oh, there's the live actors. Oh, they don't look quite, they're not lit right. They don't look right on now. You've done all of that. Mm. And or, like you said, they base it in real live locations. You see the world from their location. So when they're looking around, they then pan the camera around and they've blended the real world locations with the fantastical locations 
of the various planets yeah, and so yeah. on and so forth. So you see it from their perspective, and you see it kind of in passing, really. And it, it grounds it, it just grounds it in realism. Yeah. It's like the, I think it, it's, it's, it's the first shot. You, you see him going down that bridge, going down this kind of causeway, don't you, in the rain? And you don't see the yeah. big city off in the distance. You don't see the big court. You don't realize he's on a causeway, I don't think, initially. Um, essentially, you just see the rain, you see his feet, you see the lights, and you see mm. that it's all dark, and you see it's all mist. It's all kind of um, you know atmospheric and all the rest of it. And then you see where he's going, because he walks, I think he walks past the camera or something, and he goes, he goes off down the causeway. And see, it's grounding it in realism. You feel, yeah. and you... And the sound design as well. The sound design on this is really, really good. It's a living, breathing world. And this comes from a number of different places. So you've got an amazing sound design um, on here. So, yeah, absolutely amazing sound design. But, I mean, it's a whole department that, that has, to be, has to be kind of pulled into this, from Foley to um, recording on, 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 on site and so on and so forth. But it, it's not just – I don't know who the head 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 the lead sound designer engineer is on that. Um, so I apologize for that one. But even the costume design, even the thought that goes behind the costume design in this, Everything, absolutely yeah. amazing. And that's Michael Wilkinson um, who did the costume. And But it's not just that. Because it it's kind of grounded in realism because they did a lot of kind of um, filming on locations. It's just, Go down to the set direction. Set decoration. The set decoration yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah. All the stuff. That is there looks like it should be there, and that's Rebe- um, a girl called Rebecca um, Al. Well, could be Alway, Alway, Alway. Um, absolutely phenomenal work from the, from the top da- from the top down, and the effects are blended so well. Even the big spaceship. So in Star Wars, obviously the big spaceship, you know, appears from the corner of the screen, goes on forever, and what have you. But yeah. then I think the first time you see a star destroyer in this, it's from the ground, from the indigenous. There's one on the planet. They look up, mm. and yeah, it's the indigenous population of this planet. And they look up, and this fucking big star destroyer is going across across the top. And it's just like thing is, yeah. I mean, you don't need they don't need to do that. You know, the diagonal because we've we yeah. know how big a star destroyer is, so they can do other things. And have it have it seen it from the ground up, then you get to see again see the the size of it. Mm. If you can see it in low orbit, for you know, for want of a better, and it's like fucking hell, it's huge. Again, you're getting the sense of scale. I mean, the what I, what I what I found out is the the your cinematographers. There's four of them. Okay. Adriano Goldman, Damian Garcia, Frank Lamb, and Mark Patton. Now there seems to be a bit of touchstoney. Two of them worked on The Crown. Okay. Uh, okay. One worked on Narcos, Mexico. Yeah, yeah, good. And another one was Pennyworth. Now, all these these TV shows, they're all TV, and they all have, they're all sprawling characters. There's, there's a lot going on. So it's not like, you know, one scene, one location, one, mm. you know, da-da-da-da-da. These guys, the masters of multiple locations, you know, all outdoors doing stuff, mm. and they're nailing it. They are absolutely fucking nailing this. Yeah. Same with the directors. There's a lot of TV. Mm. Sherlock appears quite a lot. Black Mirror. Mm. They've thought about this, and they've got the right people, the right people who can deliver a sprawling story 
all these threads mm. and they're just pulling all these threads together. Yeah. And you're not losing any uh, of the characters at no, all. No, and again, I think that comes down to you've got three directors. So where you've got where you got like um Obi-Wan and especially Mando, you got get it's like a guest director per week and it just yeah. doesn't work. Because it yeah. feels disjointed. It's a bloody mess. Some are funny, some are not. Mm. Some don't care about the story. It says a lot, like I said, when you've got the best episodes when you've got fucking Mandalorian in it and not bloody Boba Fett. I mean, that just that just stinks, let's be honest. Um, and it was a hodgepodge mess. I'd say Obi-Wan was slightly better because that was directed by one person. That was directed by Deborah Chow. Yeah, um, but the Mandalorian... Yeah. Um, sorry, the Book of Boba Fett was directed by a bunch of people and it's just... Shocking, it just wasn't very good at all. But we're not here to talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about Andor. Andor, everything just comes together. But the one thing I will say about comparing, because you have to compare and contrast, because this is what Disney's putting out there now. And it is, like I say, it is Star Wars for the older generation, for, for the more mature, shall we say, generation. None of the original, none of the original people that have been involved in Obi-Wan, Book of Boba Fett, and Mandalorian are involved. No. Tells a story, that tells, it? tells a fucking good story, as it, as it turns out. It's called Andor. <laughs> because their stuff's getting worse. Mandalorian, we'll, we'll see what season three brings. I say Mandalorian's yeah. good. I thought they weren't going to top Mandalorian until Andor came along, and it's yeah. just far better. It's a, yeah, it just blows everything out of the water. I think Mandalorian is, is servicing the fan side of things. You know, because you've got your little baby Yoda, you've got Luke Skywalker, you've got Ahsoka Tano. It's servicing the fan yeah. side. Andor, not so much, but it's servicing the the story. That's what it's servicing. Mm. It's it's letting us know how the rebellion started. So why aren't people watching it? And the backbiting and the goings on behind the scenes to lead us into Rogue One. Yeah, and I mean, the, the political manoeuvrings from Mon Mothma yeah. and the you know the stuff from Stellan Skarsgård's Luthen. I mean, Stellan Skarsgård's Luthen sacrifices a whole squad of rebels to protect his source, who works for the Empire. Yeah, you don't see that. You don't see that in um, Return of the Jedi with the fucking Ewoks, mm. do you? No. You don't say that sort then, of stuff. I mean, that sort of stuff, it's, it's dark, dark stuff. It's pr- this is proper TV. You've got Andy Serkis, who plays, he plays his, um, like the prison team leader when he's, when he's in the internment yeah. camp. In forced the, labor camp. The yeah. Forced lab, labor camp. And I've not seen, you don't see him die per se, but I hope you don't see him again. I hope he does die. Harsh words from I hope- from Richie there on the Diabolical Film <laughs> Show. I hope he does because it'll give that character a major disservice because Cassian wanted to save him and he couldn't save him. And if you bring him back, I think it'll undo a bit of Cassian's um, his purpose of joining the rebellion. It'll undermine it slightly. Yeah, because he's. Because at the beginning he wasn't particularly interested; he was doing it for the money. And then, as as the story goes, as as you'd expect, as the story progresses, more and more things have been put into place. Various people. I'm not going to ruin everything for you because I want you to watch it. But various people that he cares about die in this, and they mm. are meaningful deaths. 
some of the scenes in this are, are just, you know, are phenomenal. I mean, like I said, it's a slow burn, but then you get these massive set pieces. So you've got like the yeah. the the bank heist, shall we say it's not technically a bank heist, but it's a the money heist. And then you've got and then the escape from that. You've got the internment camp and the, the escape yeah. from well, the escape from that. There's a lot of escaping going on. Um <laughs> Yeah, there is. And then you've got I mean, the big street battles and things like this. And it's all done where the stormtroopers don't miss. I mean, that heist is, what, halfway through. That that scene in itself is worthy of, like, the end of series. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not even halfway through. And that happens. You're like, Christ, what? How can they top that? <laughs> Hold my beer quite easily. <laughs> Yeah, that's just it. How can they top it? Well, they did, and they keep and they, they continue yeah. to top it. And they spent you spend time with the character. Even the smaller characters mm. in there all have a mini. All seem to have mini arcs. They all have their reasons for doing things, and yeah. that's just it. They have reasons. They don't make ridiculous fucking decisions like they seem to do in other Star Wars films as well. It's just like, oh, and they don't come up with and ridiculous dialogue. It's all very based and very ground up. Kind of, this is your working class. It's proper fleshed out, proper characters living proper lives under under the boot yeah. of fascism. Definitely, 100%. Yeah. And this is not to say you know. that there's no nods for the kind of um, fanboys, geeks in there e- either. I mean, so Luthien um, Rail, Stellan Garsgard, he is an antiquities dealer by day, a rebel leader by night. <laughs> <laughs> but by day, are you going to talk about the um, the Easter eggs? The in Easter the, eggs uh, in, in in his antiquities. What, so, what have you seen then? What have okay, you seen? Okay, now then, because I've I've seen I've seen. I some. went back and rewatched some of them. I'm not going to lie, because so, I do. When I saw one <laughs> thing, I thought there's more stuff here. So now, and I, I have done a little bit of um, googling to see what else was there. So you tell me what you spotted, and then. Okay, I'll I'll go through some of the other I've, stuff. I've that's not got there. many. I've okay. got um, there's three. There's, well, well, yeah, I'll, I'll go for three. Go for three. You've got um, there's two Sankara stones. There are indeed, yes, on a shelf in the background. And what are Sankara stones, Richie? Sankara stones are the the stones from Indiana Jones and the Temple. They of are Doom. indeed, mate. They are on the shelf <laughs> in the background. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you've got Indiana Jones's whip frozen in carbonite. Oh, I did spot that one. Ah, I did spot that. Yes, yes. That's in the back. You've got a you've got a carbonite slab like what Han Solo was frozen in, and in that there's a okay. whip. Okay, I've Jones's got some whip. more carbonite top facts then. So, so we'll go on to that. And in a my last one, you, where the Sankara stones are on the next thing along, you've got a Jedi and a Sith. Holocron. You do have the holocrons in there, yep. That's yeah. Mm. I, I spotted those. They're the only things I've got. I spotted those. Um, I also spotted the Mandalorian armor. There's a full set of Mandalorian armor on a stand in in his antiquity right. shop. Here's a Gungan shield, not turned on. Obviously, oh. there's Gungan shield in there. So you know, it's it's, re- it's referencing it's referencing around the, the, the franchises. You've got the Sankara stones, but you've also in the other in other stuff in the carbonite blocks. There's an engineer's head from Prometheus. Random. <laughs> But not one, but two of the fertility idols from Raiders of the Lost Ark at the beginning. You, you know the the really? idol, the little idol on on yeah. the plinth. Yeah, there's two of them in, in, in um, carbonite as well. 
Now, one. I bet there's more. Uh, there's other stuff. I know there's other stuff. But one thing I there's will more. mention for the for the people who play video games out there, I didn't I didn't notice this. I did notice the helmet, but I didn't know what it was. So I that's why I googled it all. I thought that that that's not just a helmet. That's from something, and it is. It, there's a helmet from the Forced Unleashed video game in there as well. Oh right. And it's Star Killer's Dark Lord helmet, which you get if you get the Sith ending to that game. There you go. That's a deep cut. Oh. <laughs> um, right. So they have put stuff potted around, and there's other stuff as well. The most of it is it is in is in Luther's yeah. shop essentially that he uses as a cover. Oh. But the thing is, he uses the shop as a cover, and they they go in. There's a lot of espionage in this. Have you noticed that? There's mm. a shit ton of espionage in this, and it's yeah. done right. That's a weird thing as well. It's mm. done really right. It's not just throwaway kind of. You know, let, let's follow. Let's let's follow that car. Don't get seen. I'll follow twenty yards behind. <laughs> it's none of that bollocks. He won't see me. He's <coughs> read the script. He won't look. Yeah, there's like proper. There's proper like dead drops, and there's like the the very careful with communications and um, spies everywhere. Mm. They, they don't trust anybody. They protect their sources and things like this as well. Yeah, there's it, a lot it, of thought it's, gone it's into this. Head and shoulders, the best. Star Wars thing out there. It's not just the best Star Wars thing out there. I would say it's one of the best TV programs of 2022. Full stop, hands mm. down. It's just set in a Star Wars setting. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's as simple as that. Well, it's like um, Rogue One, wasn't it? When it was, because um, that's the other thing that Tony Gilroy did. He was in charge of the reshoots. Okay. For Rogue One, when they showed his Rogue One to to the studio. Shit, it's a war film. Fuck, where's the Star Wars bits? You know, it was Rogue One, war film, which, what it is. And yeah, they had to go back and add in some, you know, extra Star Warsy mm. bits. The Darth Vader scene at the end, that was a reshoot. That was an extra added bit, which is quite cool. It is cool, yeah, I do it like is that. cool. <laughs> that, was, that was very cool. That is cool. Probably, probably but, the only um, time you really see Darth Vader, and I'm including Obi Wan in this. The only time you really see Darth Vader at his best is still yeah. in that very short scene at the end of Rogue One, because mm. all the stuff that he does in in um, Obi Wan is still Obi Wan. The ship, the thing with the ship, apart from the effects, are bloody awful. The perspective, was, the perspective was off. It was it, yeah. did, it didn't look good at all. The idea behind it was great. Again, mm. nicked from a bloody um, video game that happens in a video game with a star destroyer. Exec- you know, if you're going to go yeah. big, go big. Not some poxy little mm. cr- um, cruiser. That that you know that that was kind of a cool bit, but it just didn't. It was ruined because the effects weren't just didn't look right. Yeah, it's. But in this, the effects are just so good. They intro- like I say they introduce stuff, recognizable ships and things like that, and recognizable things, but in uh, a way that is. Grounded in truth and realism. Mm. It's like the stu- it's like when you see the Tie Fighters. You know when the you very rarely see them, don't you? Don't tie see fighters. it very much. But the ones that you do, when the you know the flying over the the the, the grassy banks and stuff, or the, the valleys. valleys and stuff, fucking cool yeah. as fuck. And they're scared shitless of them because they're not mm. going to just miss and explode and you know all all that yeah. all that crap. I say it's it, it's down to it being grounded in reality, real world. It's it it comes through. It comes through the performances. It comes through with the actors saying the lines because 
They believe script, script, what they are, script, what they're doing. Script, script. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Because they're there. You know, it, it's it's like, well, cliche, lightning it in a bottle. They managed to get everything, all the right pieces, at the right place, at the right time, and they just happened to have a camera pointing at it. Oh, we've not mentioned one thing yet. The score. Nicholas Britell's score is phenomenal. There is not a Star Wars note in sight. And yet the mm. score is really, really good. It really ramps up the tension when it needs to. It doesn't over-egg it. It keeps it keeps away from the kind of classic Star Wars tropes. And he's created his own his own kind of, his own world, really, w- w- within the score. Now, the score, you can get the score. You can get it on Amazon Music, I'm sure, on Spotify as well, and things like that. And go out and buy it. Actually, give him some more money. Give him some proper money. But they've recognised. <laughs> they've actually recognised how good this score is. Because, you know, sometimes you just get like, mm. oh, this is Series 1. Here's the score on one CD or, or, you know, whatever, of Series 1. One album. Let's just call it an album, because that's really the correct terminology, of Series 1. But they haven't on this. <laughs> there are three different albums to this one season mm. that shows how good it is and one of the best bits of music is actually a piece of source music do you know what i mean by source music source, source music. music what brown source red source well depends what i'm having really <laughs> <laughs> but it's also called diegetic music as well so that's music that exists within the world of the narrative so things like Jewel of Fates or Imperial March, that's the soundtrack. Mm. But things yeah. like the Cantina Band or the Ewoks going yup nup Now in this right. there is a funeral scene where they have a, a band, don't they, at the end, and it's like really they tight. Do. Yes. Like it's it's yes. building to them. It builds for a big fucking fight. Um let's be honest. But yeah. you can see it coming, you know it's gonna go there, so I'm not spoiling anything there. I won't say who dies, but um and you got this marching band, and it's, it's essentially a brass band, but all the instruments are slightly kind of slightly off versions of what we're used well, to. Well, they fit in the Star Wars 100%. universe. 100%. That's just it. Yeah. And it fits so well. That's what you think. And that piece of music serves as the score and builds and mm. builds and builds and then gets tighter and tighter and tighter as, as the action, as, as the, all these things are going on around it. And it is phenomenal. I, I, I was sat there, oh my God, this is this scene on the, in itself. It's fucking amazing. Absolutely mm. stunning. And that comes down now, to Nicholas Brittell. So well done, Nicholas. Question for you. Which is the best ship? The Millennium Falcon <laughs> or Luthan Rell's Fondor Hallcraft? <sighs> you can't talk you can't talk about Andor without mentioning Stellan Skarsgård's ship. Yeah. Ship. Now <laughs> I wouldn't want to spoil this, no, because that is yeah. that is worthy of admission on its own. That ship is pretty that fucking particular cool. Particular scene is <laughs> cool as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Millennium Falcon's twelve parsec bollocks. Um, yeah, no, I'm sorry. It is a bucket of bolts. I agree, with Princess Leia. Yeah, what a hunk of junk. When it comes mm. to, but Stellan Skarsgård's ship, where where that's a freighter that is designed for, I'm not fucking defending an imaginary ship. That's a freighter designed for for smuggling, um, not really designed for stealth and fucking kick ass, which fucking shit up, which yeah. is what Luther Rail's ship oh. is absolutely. Yeah, wait, when you see that episode, dear God, that ship is nailed. Honest to God, you'll you'll stop it, you'll rewind it. 
and you'll watch it again. Yeah. There's there's no turning off the engines in this and just drifting in on the tractor beam. No. <laughs> yeah, they've thought about it. What would you do in this position? What what would Luther do? That's, that's oh, what yeah. That... I'd fuck shit up. Yeah. <laughs> cool as fuck. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> spot on. But people just aren't watching, which is why this is why we're we're doing this. Disney have realised this. Disney have realised that people aren't watching as much. Why? It hasn't caught on. So they've they've tried an experiment. They've tried to do something different with it. So they recognise they've had to do more with it to find its desired audience because everyone watches. You know, they churn shit out on 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 Disney Channel, and you know people have seen Obi Wan, people have seen Boba Fett, and people have thought it was shit. So why would I care about watching something about somebody I don't know or care about? Have, and I think that's they partially done... to it. But So what they've done, just as the 12-episode run ended, they announced that the first two episodes were going to be shown on Disney's other platforms, ABC, FX, Freeform, and Hulu, to pull people in. Mm. Now, it could be a marketing ploy, obviously, to get people to sign up to Disney Plus as well. Obviously, I'm not stupid. But they realised that they needed an older audience for it. Do you think that they've oversaturated the market like what the films yeah, did? Yeah, 100%. We didn't need Boba Fett. Boba Fett has added nothing you know, to this at all. There was too much. We had no Star Wars for, for fucking years. And then you had the TikTok films, didn't you? The tick, the the, the saga storyline, and the talk of the standalone stories Yeah. every other year. And the standalone you know, stories bump, bump, bump. are better than the saga. Yeah. I'll pull that out that including Han Solo, including Solo, bring that back, get him back, get him in playing Solo mm. again. That was that was a good fun romp. That's what Star Wars. That's what the Star Wars films should be. Give us them. Give us those sort of films. Give us that. Give us more like Rogue One. Someone's a bit ballsy, and then give us this sort of stuff. You got yeah. Mando. You got Mando for the kids, and you got this for the adults. Well, I actually like Mando as well. It's not just for kids, but it's. It's, it's more accessible. Yeah, to, but this is not accessible for kids. It's more of a grown-up story, yeah. isn't it, is Andor? Whereas Mandalorian, it's it reminds me of a plot of a, a Final Fantasy game. I want this. Go here. Go speak to him. Ah, I can give you that bit, but I need something. It's, it's, it's forever doing fucking side quests. Yeah, that's that's just it. In, in this, <laughs> this is one story, but it's, it, there's so many strings to this story. There's so many elements to this story, and they all interweave, and they all interweave really, really well. The writing, I can't, I can't say how good the writing is on this, and that's what grounds it in its reality is the writing. Mm. The other people on the others on on Obi Wan and Mando, uh, not so much Mando, but Mando's not too bad, and. Don't bring Boba Fett back. Just leave it to die a fucking sad death, essentially. That's what I said. I mean, the haters have mm. pounced on this as a sign of Lucasfilm losing touch, but it's just bollocks. You've got Mandalorian. You, you don't want everything the same. We've said this before on, on about other franchises. You don't want everything the yeah. same. And that's kind of it, really. We love it. You will love it. Give it a chance. <laughs> I'll tell you now. You will. I mean... If younger audiences will be lost with the like the political machinations of the plot and and this is for people that grew yeah. up with Star Wars, as Richie said earlier, right? And this is if you're looking for a proper story and you're used we're now used to better writing and direction on things like, you know, Sopranos, yeah. Mad Men, Breaking Bad, Chernobyl Game of Thrones. for fuck's sake. Absolutely phenomenally yeah. shot and written. 
This is not the best. This is not just the best Star Wars story, as I said before, but this is just a fucking good thriller, essentially, which just happens mm. to be set in a galaxy a long time ago in a yeah. galaxy far, far away. Far, far away. It's yeah. not the best thing. It's not just the best thing to come out of Star Wars and off Disney. This is the best thing to come on TV last year. It really mm. is. It's head and shoulders above most other things. It is that good. And I can't. It is good. I, it is good. Crazy Going enough. back to the start. I really wasn't holding out much. I saw the trailer for it. Oh, that pretty. Okay. Why do I want? Why do I want to watch this? Why do I? Why? But then we've just told you why. Now go yeah. and watch it. So get it. Is it watch yet? Now fuck off and go and watch it. <laughs> and on that piece of slide scold, I think we'll end there. <laughs> really. Yeah. <laughs> so if you fancy a bit more of a diabolical film banter. Then like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast, and we'll catch you next episode. Also, if you like us talking bollocks about films, then maybe even give us a review. And if you need to get something off your chest, then maybe even send us a question. And you never know, we might even answer it on the show. You can find us on your local friendly neighbourhood podcast apps and on the interwebs. Just search for the Diabolical Film Show. So that leaves it for me to say thanks for listening, and catch you later. And for me, till next time, with no fucking lightsabers. We forgot to mention that. Not a fucking single lightsaber. Tatty bye. <laughs>